0: I don't know what to expect. If there's anybody I want in the
1: woods with me, it'll be you.
0: Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Western Rookie Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Krebs, and today we have everyone's favorite ex host back in the studio, Dan Matthews. How are you doing, Dan?
1: That that's a pretty good yeah. intro. Everybody's well, favorite. Well, you you're ex-host. the only ex-host
0: like of the Western Rookie branded podcast. So, it's by default everyone's
1: favorite and everyone's the least that's favorite true.
0: ex-host. I just left that part off.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound as good. Everybody's least favorite. I might get a it might get a few more chuckles, but uh dude, I'm doing good. It's a, it's been a good couple weeks back in Missouri. Uh we went down to Florida for like a month went out to Colorado for like a week and a half for my brother's wedding. And unfortunately I had like two trail cameras where the batteries just died. Like I I always get those notifications. Like 70% has been consumed 80%, 90%. Well, I had two go out one on my new property. And so when I got back, I went and changed cards and uh, changed batteries and dude, I've got, in the last week, three really nice deer that have shown up, and they're all funky in their own way. Well, I shouldn't say all. One, mainframe eight, like just a normal wide. He's probably an inch and a half outside the ears, fairly tall. Another one, I still can't tell if it is a split main beam, like a second main beam, or just a really unique brow tine, because it forks real high up. And then it's got two points coming off the base of it also. So it's got four points just on whatever that is, the brow tine or main beam. And then I had one show up two nights ago that its bases are probably a, a little bit smaller than wow. a Nalgene. I mean, like, That's just, crazy. like they basically come deer. together on bottom. Um, there's not much. Dude, he's weird, man. I'll have to, I'll send you the pictures. I just got like really good pictures of them last night and so this morning i've just been as much as you travel you should get
0: uh the solar panels for your cameras
1: dude i need to the problem is uh well i'm sure they've come with a decent cord that i could get them out and in the sun more Mm. one of my spots just has no sun like absolutely Mm. none and then a couple of them aren't very good as far as the sun goes. But I feel like I come back to Missouri enough to where I can get away with with just swapping yeah, out. I, I just uh, need I got to be one about it that I put in the trips. woods
0: in our new farm, but the guy was clearing it out. So it's kind of like a small kill plot. And so I just pointed it to the gap in the in the canopy, and it's maintained 100%. My brother put one like in yeah. the woods uh, of his property. And there's no hole in the canopy that's just like some sunlight gets through, and it went. I think it died now, but it's been going for almost a year, yeah, and then in the winter time it gets more light, so it charges Jeez. like back up again um but yeah, it was going for a long time. It either died or something else, maybe the card filled up, it stopped putting out pictures um pretty consistently so but yeah, I've been using the tacticam cameras or the reveal cams with the solar power, yeah. Yeah, that that panel, oh, like we will, I will never. Love them. If we're buying new cameras from here on out, they're probably all going to be cell cams, and they're probably all going to have solar panels because, like, battery costs alone pay for the solar panels over two three years.
1: Dude, I I've never done a test to see how oh, yeah. they hold up, but I buy like the bulk Amazon batteries, and they're dirt cheap i'm well, talking even you that like AA these cameras are taking like, like
0: 20 bucks i, I can't remember if tacticams are eight or 12 i think they're 12 yeah so 12 batteries like even if it's five well, bucks yeah. ten bucks and you're doing two three a year like that starts to add up the, the solar panel kit was only like 59 dollars and it comes with a 10 foot cord a 10 foot armored cord Gee. so you can move it 10 feet yeah you could probably get like extension kits or something if you really needed to but at that point, you might as well just cut down one tree and open up yeah. the canopy. Well, it'll probably, I mean, depending on what it looks like, it might help your anyways, ground. So. You know, it might yeah. help that underbrush grow up and that's just browse. But yeah, I was going to mention, like, yep. it's pretty cool. We both bought our first properties back to the back. Like, you bought yours a little earlier. You were like, what, January, February? January. And then I didn't think we were going to buy yeah, a hunting property January. for years. I thought it was going to take like, we'll be lucky if we find a house with an acre. We'll be lucky if it's got a finished basement and a deck and like, we don't have to do any major projects, but we'll probably have to wait to build a shop. We'll probably have to wait even longer to buy hunting land. And hopefully we can find something within driving distance so I can like hunt after work. And then all of a sudden I was, we had like a two month window to either buy a home or uh, extend our lease. Between, like, when my wife's residency ends and when we could start using yeah. her future um, staffing pay for the hospital and, like, when we would need to give our 60-day notice. It was, like, tight window. And I was driving home to actually do food plot work, and I was on Zillow while I was driving, so don't, don't at me. But I was just scrolling because we're at this point where, like, we're checking every hour because up here, like, a good homes we're going in a day still it even like still with the high rates and everything yeah and we found this house and I'm and my wife was in Texas for a conference and I'm out of town and it comes up on Friday and I'm talking to my realtor like we can look at this on Sunday my wife's gonna land at like this time we can come look at it will they wait for us and she's like yeah they'll wait for until Sunday well then my wife's flight gets canceled She doesn't get home until like 2 a.m. Sunday night. So I'm texting the realtor like, are they going to wait till Monday morning? Like we can be there first thing in the morning. Um, And my realtor's like, I'll try. They've already got four offers. Um, But I I told them like, your wife's flying in from Texas to look at this house. And so they're really interested in waiting for you. And yeah, we go look at it, put in an offer Monday at noon. We were the fifth offer. Then they were expecting a sixth and they didn't even wait for the sixth. They just took ours. And uh Yeah, so in like 24, well, 48 hours, basically, we went from like not thinking, thinking it was going to be like a 10-year plan to get like a house finished, a shop, a deck, a nice yard, and then hunting land in it. Like 48
1: hours, we got it all. Jeez. See, that's where we're kind of, we're actually kind of torn right now, because I like the land that we bought, but we've been talking about whether or not that's actually where we want to build and you know a lot of our friends are on the southeast corner of springfield or like on the northeast corner this is like outside of springfield on the west side and i've already got a ton of hunting land out there not that like this honestly this 25 acres seems like it could be a lights out spot a small property that that obviously holds big bucks i mean i got big bucks on camera in january when we bought uh right before right before they dropped um and then i've already been getting them on camera again this year and so i'm like it seems like it could be a really good property but i look at it and i go okay as a hunting property is it worth it like I mean, an $1,800 a month payment for hunting property, I could lease a lot of land for that kind of money. And if I'm not going to build on it, then it just almost doesn't seem worth it. But you better believe I'm going to try to stick it out for this season and get one of these deer so that I can finally say I got deer on my property. But, I mean, I've I've still got big bucks showing up on camera. Yeah,
0: you know, it's in a good spot to to build. I mean, it kind of just depends, yeah, how far do you want to drive? I mean, I don't know how big Springfield is. Like, if it was, you know, west side of the metro versus east side of the metro up here, like the Twin Cities metro, like, that's an hour. So, it's like, okay, that's a big deal. But, um, yeah, 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 that's a tough call.
1: Honestly, it's not. Like, in comparison to most places, it's not a, a far drive. But we've got some friends that live in a really awesome subdivision. Everyone's got like an acre or two. I mean, the kids could literally just ride their dirt bikes over to their friend's house, hang out, swim at the pool, versus they're gonna be flying solo out yeah. there. You know, it's like thirty-five. I wonder 40 if you could do like a most of our friends
0: cabin there. like um like anyway. a, Basically like a shop that has like a finished corner in it. Like not what you were planning to build. Like, definitely smaller than that, just, like, something to store your hunting yeah. equipment out, maybe, like, a camper, and then just, like, a cement slab on the corner with water, and, like, a bathroom and a couch yeah. and stuff. So, like, you can hang out there, because you're always going to be going to that side of town to hunt, because your other properties are there.
1: Yeah. Well, that, like, uh, those little yeah. one-room cabins that they have at KOA, I'm like, like that'd be cool. Yeah to throw that out there you know it's already got sewer oh, yeah. electric water yeah so it's like i've got all the hooks. i could just put a little like 20 mm-hmm. by 20 pre-built deal out there or even like the sheds yeah. those like more intricate sheds that you buy at home depot i would build the put shop, that out there with a toilet and a sink because you're you going to start
0: accumulating stuff well i've got a, oh yeah you do have a shop
1: i've got a shop so mm. uh yeah it's already got a shop a on work. it but it is, it's not set up yeah. for, for like a room, you know, to sleep out there or whatever. Yeah, so would I would, cool. I would put a that second cool. structure out there. Ours
0: sure. is kind of set up the same way as yours. Like yours, when we talked about it on the way out to uh, Colorado, yours is like a long, deep lot. So you get more of the benefit of your neighbors because you're, you're like, you're past, you're shooting past through deer instead of like yep. a 20 acre square where there's like not a lot that you can do other than just try to attract them to your square. Ours is a 40-acre square, Yeah. but the block it's on, is kind of like a horizontal rectangle of about 300 acres of solid habitat between, like, oak hills. I wouldn't say ridges, but, like, just knobs, hills, in the middle of, like, mature willow swamp. Yeah. Like, super thick. You can't see into it at all from any direction. And our 40 is, like, it's kind of, like, into the middle and smack dab in the center left and right. And so it's going to be perfect. Um, And that's just our block. If you zoom out, there's across the road about 3,000 acres of continuous habitat, 800 of its public. Um, To the east, like five miles, there's a 15,000-acre public. So I think a lot of pressure on those other publics are going to push deer out eventually but it also like has the capacity to carry a lot of deer throughout the year on average and then down the road from my house 2 miles yeah. there's a it starts a 3000 acre university research project so it's they're looking at like prairie research it's not even prairie it's like an oak forest but like they're doing like wildfire research and they have some bison out there so they're looking at like long-term grazing research And so no one's supposed to hunt that. I think one person that's, like, the son of the management guy hunts it. But that's, like, 3,000 acres right down the road of, like, basically wildlife refuge, low-fence refuge. And so – and no one does food plots in, like, a five-mile circle. I can't find a single food plot. There's egg. But once that egg comes off, if I can cut in some food plots that swamp, I'm thinking, like, completely covered – um, so like security to the max, those deer could just walk out. They won't be able to see any houses or any roads at all. And then it's right in the middle of the habitat. I'm hoping that that really draws out some daylight
1: bucks. Dude. I hope so. you're going to have a lot of activity in there, man. We we're in such a weird spot, man, because almost every place I've hunted growing up, Has had just pressure everywhere. I mean, everybody hunts on every side. And now I've got two properties. One's a huge chunk of ground, and then my 25 acres, where I literally don't have any hunting pressure north, south, east, or west on any like bordering properties at all. And it's so crazy because both of them, I've got a chunk of timber that's surrounded basically by AG field or just open field and both of them are the northernmost point of the woods like of the continuous woods so like my little strip of three to five acres of woods oh yeah there is no more hardwood north of me so like the deer coming up it's their last bit of cover before going yeah, into like a hundred ride that edge so mm-hmm. it and it's a Perfect funnel because yeah, the so woodlot is only like 60 yards wide. With your bow. So, yeah, exactly. I can shoot east to west, anything that comes through, and they just seem to be destroying that place. I mean, they absolutely love that tiny little woodlot. In fact, a couple of the mature bucks that I'm getting on camera, they're in there like all throughout the day. I'm like, dude, they're betting in there somewhere. Because they'll be in there middle of the night, then they'll be in there at 4 a.m., then they'll be in there at 9 a.m., then they'll be in there again as the sun is setting. And I'm, well, like, I'm sure they are got if be it's, like, surrounded by right day, Because they're probably,
0: I mean, when it's been hot, yeah. they're probably not out there laying in soybean fields during the day. They'd probably like to get in the shade if they can. So I'm sure they are just, like, milling yep. around when they get bored, get up to stretch, yep. get some water somewhere.
1: Yeah, I the one thing I haven't done yet is got out mm, there with yeah. my spotter. Um, I need to do that. This is typically the time of year where I'll go out an hour before sunset, sit with my spotter, with my phone on it, and just watch the – dude, it's like a, yeah. cir- or a caravan of bucks that come through, and you just get to see every single one. And you know how it is. You see a buck in person versus on a trail camera, it changes everything. And so – I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that a lot of my bucks from last year are back on the big property. I think they are because oh, I keep yeah. getting eyes like way in the distance on camera, but they're not passing right in front. And I haven't had any of like my main bucks from last year show back up, but if they do, I'm talking they're going to be the biggest bucks I've ever pursued. Yeah, I'm excited.
0: Like, I, I made the, the mistake of, of driving yeah. around without my spotter. I just had binos. I did a, I got on the 4th of July, our 4th of July weekend was all messed up because my wife was working and then we were traveling. And so 4th of July, I basically just moved the entire garage. We had a trip, we had got our enclosed trailer. And so I got done at like that perfect time up at the farm. So I'm like, I'm going to just drive around on my way back and look for deer. And sure enough, I found bucks within three miles of our farm. And there I am trying to, like, line my phone up with my binos. And I'm like, I should have brought my stupid spotter because I have that new magnetic phone adapter. So it just – oh, I love it. I will never – it's it's by far like the that? best thing I've ever bought for a spotter. Like,
1: I'm going to have to check one this out. This one, I don't, the I haven't eye piece. liked most of the setups So
0: we have a 10% discount code for them even Um, because i loved him so much so i went to get an affiliate set up with nathan we had him on the podcast way back when but the eyepiece of your spotter stays on your spotter all the time they made it so that it doesn't like dig into your eye or your face when you're looking through it like the other ones they got big plastic ridges all over the place so you never leave it on and it's got a rubber it's like a rubberized outer layer so it's like softer and then it's got four magnets in it, four circle magnets in the eyepiece. And then the phone case, like it's literally, I know the listeners can't see this, but this is just one of the cheap plastic Walmart phone cases, like the rubber ones you just snap on quick. It's like this, but then like one thin plate yeah. that goes over your camera, and that's got four magnets in it. So it's really slim and sleek and easy to put on, like snap on, snap off. And then you just like go up and like either hold your phone horizontal or vertical yeah. and just like get it close and it just boop mates right on it and it's always perfectly aligned to your camera lens and so what the nice thing the reason why I love it is both of both sets are made to stay on so you're like when you get on something you're not like trying to like force this eyepiece on with your phone attached because you always bump your spotter like you just got everything dialed in you got it zoomed you can dial all the way to 60 and then you just lightly tap it and it's lined up yeah
1: just tighten everything down. You don't even really have to tighten stuff it down. On, like, and you're still on. As
0: long as your spotter's not loose. Like, sometimes I forget that I'm, like, glassing, and so I put it on in the spotter tips. Yeah. But, yeah, as long as that's like, somewhat tight, like, especially if my angled, because it does – it, like, puts more of the weight just into the tripod, not, like, hanging off the end. But, but yeah, you just hit record on your phone, and you just, yeah. like – that's their marketing is like that you get part of the video as they're like going in to snap it. And then your camera like freaks out for a split second. And then all of a sudden you're glassing this thing in perfect clarity.
1: Dude, I'm going to, yeah. I'm definitely going to hop on. I'll use your affiliate code. I'll help you out. I got a, cause I, I just really am unhappy with the setups that I've had in the past. It's that same type of thing. You get it on the spotter and then I'm sitting mm-hmm. here like trying to wedge my inside of yeah. the case like just at a little bit different angle and it drives me nuts because then it's like now all of a sudden I get on it or I get clarity through the scope yeah and I've moved so now I have to readjust and so I definitely need to change something up this year as far as that goes I love my spotter I love my tripod I love my phone yeah and my camera on it well but that connection what's funny
0: is been, so like Nathan Goodworth came up with the idea then he got some business partners that he pulled in to help him really launch it and do it right and so I'm, I, I don't know if I'd say I'm friends with Nathan, like we go back and forth, but since having him on the podcast, getting it, loving it, but now I'm starting to pay attention when I'm watching shows, almost every single Western show is using it now. All of the, all of the hush guys are using it. Shed Crazy is right. using it. The Mountain Ops brothers are using it. Randy Newberg's using it. Corey Jacobson's using it. Like literally everyone out West is using it because they're all like, this is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, it's one of the fastest. It's brilliant, coming. man. Oh, and another cool thing, the eyepiece yeah, that stays on—it comes with a cap, like an eyepiece cap that's also magnetized. So you, like, when you're done, you just snap that on. And I'm like, when are you, when are you going to oh, come out with yeah. the objective lens cap? Because like now it's perfect. Two magnetic caps keep your glass protected For at real. all times. Yeah, I can't wait,
1: dude that's brilliant. Cause yeah. I mean, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. You just have to monkey. With I haven't taken the of eyepiece off my spotter when you're like doing that. it a different way. Yeah. Or with a different body. Yeah. And that's my, my thing. I'm like, dude, now I've got to take that yeah. cap off, throw it in my bag. I've got to take my phone case off, throw it in my bag, put my other phone case on because I didn't trust that the, the phone case that came with it would protect anything. Yeah. And so I'm like throwing all these pieces around. Then when it comes time to actually get up there, And especially if I want to use my spotter or my binos to record a shot, I end up just not recording. Because I'm like, dude, that's too much junk that I have to deal with right now. I've got a perfect shot at this elk or at this deer or coyote or whatever. Well, and then that's the other
0: cool thing. So the phone case, like it's not an otter box. It's not going to protect your phone like if you drop it off a building. But when I go on a hunt, I'll leave it on. The whole time, for sure. And it fits in yeah. my pockets fine. Like, it's not super big and bulky like the old ones were, where they had, like, other plastic ridges popping off the back of your phone. Like, it's super slim. Um, he could probably tell you it's probably, like, three yeah. millimeters of – like, that's what that magnetic plate is that adds. So it's like a normal thin case plus three millimeters. So it's actually yeah. narrower overall than an OtterBox. It's just up in the camera. But the nice thing is you can um, – like, for you, I know yeah. you like to glass out of your binos a lot. You have that set up with the binos on a tripod. They are starting to come out with eye, uh, eyepieces for the binos. So, now yeah. your same case could go back and forth between your your uh, bino and your spot, or you just, like, tap this, tap that, oh, um, and you can leave it on your binos all the time, too. Like, it's not going to mess up your eyes.
1: Dude, I'm told, <laughs> man. You need to go to trade shows. Yeah, no, me. it's a great – it is a super cool –
0: it's a super cool product. It's a cool company. Uh, dude is amazing. It's out in Utah, small business out in Utah. So, uh, it's out in the, the outdoor entrepreneur Mecca of Utah. So, um, but yeah, it was a really cool brand, but yeah, that I need to bring it. I need to just leave my spotter in my truck. So that way when I'm looking for these whitetails, I can get good video. Cause the video I took just sucks, but there are some good bucks out there at the new farm.
1: Dude, the next thing someone needs to come out with is a window mount where you can have your spotter connected to it but also roll the window up. Basically, you know how like a red dot oh, or a magnifier yeah. on an AR just pivots out of the way? That for a spotter or binos or something. Handle. Or, you know, it could just <laughs> shit connect to the to the handle like above the window. Well, I don't use window mounts down. anymore. Yeah, I just exactly. use my tripod. I'm like cuz so
0: I put my tripod – this is actually oh, yeah. a really cool hack for anyone out west or anyone that likes glassing because, like you said, the window mounts, you can't leave them on. I'm always a little concerned with, like, driving with it on with my spotter mounted because it's, like, a lot of torque on that window if you hit bumps or you're turning or whatever. Plus, like, I don't really want to be driving yeah. on the highway with my spotter hanging halfway out the window. And so that wasn't – and then the biggest thing was the plate didn't match my, my tripod. And so I was always switching plates, um, which I know you can overcome that. I just didn't want to buy a new thing. And so my tripod, I have that old original Vortex like ultralight yeah. backpacking one that breaks down pretty far. And Yeah, it's called the Summit. And so I'll put like the two legs out, and I'll put them on, like, my driver's door armrest area. You know what I'm talking about, like where the handle is in a pickup? And okay. then I'll put the third leg, I'll put it out at, a, like, a, a – a farther angle and i'll put that on my center console um platform and then it just sits right there perfect and i with that angle i can angle oh. it towards me and point it and i can look like 135 degrees behind me or i can point it forward and angle it up and i can look like well i guess i have like 45 to the front and a 45 to behind and everything in between whereas like a straight spotter you can't really do that like you you can't get the right angle and then when i yep yeah I'll never go Dude, back. Dude,
1: angled spotter. Last week, I, I just did a gear dump, and I'm I talked like this. I guy started guy. with
0: a straight. I thought I would never like an angled. I broke it. They warrantied it with an angled because that's all they had, Now I'll never go back. Yeah, and then when you're done spotting, I just um, collapse the legs, leave them at the right angle, like the right lengths, and I just lay it If in the passenger seat if I'm alone, or I just like put it on the center console. But here's the secret. With that system, you can also do the same thing. Put two legs forward on your the front of your center console and one leg to the back of your center console, and you can look straight out your front windshield if you can't get it on the driver's side. Or you can do two legs on your center console, one leg over on your driver's door, and shoot it out your passenger window if you need to glass out that window, which those two things you can't do with a window mount. Damn. Yeah. With window
1: mount. Hmm. Yeah. I might have to look at that. Cause I've got that yeah. exact tripod. I mean, yeah, dude, I've got like 15 tripods right now, but I could easily keep one in the car, keep the spotter in there, especially this time of year. And I just need to start getting out more. I got to get out in the evenings and just see where these deer are moving, see where I need to move a trail camera to, to get better, better Intel. Cause like I said, they're, they're all out there. I just haven't got closeups of them. And, uh, I've got one more camera that I've got to not maintenance, but get out and attach a solar panel to or change batteries on because that's oh, the yeah. one where I gotta had get a those monster last year show up. And <laughs> dude, that was that thing's got like a 12 inch brow tine. I mean, it's huge. He showed up, I'd never seen him before. He showed up 30 minutes after oh. shooting light on the last day of season. Like he knew Just the calendar. Showed up with a bunch of does, hung out, and I'm like, dude, I don't know where this. Oh, yeah, I don't know where this buck came from. Haven't seen it since. Sorry, I've oh. seen it a couple times since, but not since it dropped. And uh, who knows, man. I, I think this is going to be a really good year. I think I could take two of my biggest bucks Yeah, got to get a tractor over at that new farm and
0: start doing year. some food plotting to pull them through your woods.
1: Dude, I need somebody who oh, work a tractor? on tractors to just come out and work on mine.
0: What kind is it?
1: Yeah, it came with the property. It's a Case 1862, uh, I
0: think, there's or 1682. There's like 1866s, Something like I guess. That. 1460, 1486s, 1886s. Maybe. I don't yeah, know. I'm, I'm not a Case guy, but those older tractors are actually really easy to work on because there's not a lot that can go wrong. And people have been so used to fixing them for so long that, like, yeah. everyone knows how to this do it. Is, That's in that game. Oh, that's this, easy I
1: think this is just a starter issue because we
0: all right sorry about that folks we had a brief technical issue um which is what I'm learning about podcasting is that like technical issues are like part of the description of being a podcaster <laughs> like do you you want to be a podcaster be. everyone thinks like yeah. do you like talking to people do you like like the sound of your own voice it should be more like do you like solving tech issues like Why is this breaking? It worked literally five minutes
1: ago. Yeah, midway through. I mean, and I feel like once you start using any platform, any piece of um, equipment, things just are going to go bad. (laughs) I had one the other day. There was a power surge. Literally, all the power in the whole apartment just shut off for three seconds and then kicked back on. And I'm like, there's not a storm. There's nothing that should have caused this. We just lost all power. Now I've got to restart my board. I've got to change the settings on it because if it just shuts off out of nowhere or gets unplugged without, like, actually being powered off, all my settings go back to default. Remember and I'm like, dude, this is When a we were mess, recording man. on the way so, up to
0: uh, Colorado it's just part and of it. you stopped my pickup and the auto stop turned on so like our whole we're like mid-conversation all six of our speakers (laughs) pop the board shuts off we're both looking at the dash of the truck like what just happened
1: (laughs) yeah we your truck just got fried by something now it just auto stopped and didn't have enough juice to keep the recording going that's just it's yeah. life. I mean, you just gotta figure yeah. it, figure it yeah. out. So, and um roll with it as it comes.
0: Yeah, you meant you texted me the other day about, hey, you're going to BowFest, And it was the first I had ever heard about BowFest, which is kind of sad since it's literally in my backyard.
1: Dude, it's that's a story I've been getting from a lot of people. I feel like it started mm-hmm. out there's a loyal group of people that show up. But as a whole, a lot of people don't know about it. And I think they also kind of took a break during COVID. And so that might be a big, big part of it where people are like, oh, I don't know what that is. And it's like, oh, well, they're back up and running. It's so, from what I understand, it is the largest hunting or, sorry, largest archery and music festival in the country. They've got six 3D ranges uh, or, sorry, six 3D courses that you can shoot it's all on a ski slope up in superior wisconsin they've got live music every night the whole vendor village food trucks all that stuff so yeah i got an invite to go and i'm gonna go hang out yeah it's there gonna be sweet live um, podcast recording i
0: have some buddies from minnesota that go every year in camp and so i'm like oh you should stop by the nomadic outdoorsman booth when you get there because uh, they're just like us they're all our age bow hunt some of them bow hunt a lot some yeah. of them just have bows and shoot and they haven't shot anything yet um, but it's going to be a fun time, and I wish I could go, but that's literally our last weekend where, where me and my wife are both available for the summer. So we're going to go to the lake instead this year, and next year I'm like, oh, okay. going to be there. Like, I'm going to make it a mission to be there. Because I think it would be a blast doing podcasting from a show and just – I don't know if I'd do – I probably wouldn't do, like, full-hour episodes with random people. I'd probably do, like, 10, 15 minutes and then just stitch them together. Yeah to like a episode. Uh, but yeah, they're going to be fun. Dude.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to play that out. Cause I mean, I'll be up there for five days. So I'll do a couple like longer episodes, but I Ooh. fingers crossed. I think I'm going to do one yeah. with Waddell. Uh, he's going to be up there. You almost had the and opportunity. He's somebody that I've always wanted ago. to chat with. I missed him. At... Dude. I know I missed that opportunity. I mean, just barely. So, there's, there's been a couple times where I've almost sat down and chatted with him. This time, I'm going to. Oh, and for sure. For so that sure. one, I'll probably do a full episode out of because yeah. he's just got so much to say. And then I'm going to – I kind of open it up to a lot of guests. So, I mean, even if anybody's listening to this, if they're going to be at BowFest, I'm going to yeah. sit down and record a ton while I'm there. And Vortex uh, – partnering with them again this year they sent me some sweet gear i got a bunch of hats stickers and their newest pair of binos nice. that i'm nice. gonna be giving away That'll be exciting i'm yeah, sure they'll be there
0: because so. that's kind of in their backyard too yeah and have you shot the bowfest course or are you going to shoot the course as well
1: i will yeah i can't mean i've got all? to pick which one like i said there's like can't you six shoot them all of, if you're
0: gonna be there for five days
1: girl. what Oh, yeah, I can, but I'm like, dude, I'm going to have so many recordings, so many people. I mean, that's where my family's oh. from, too. So I'm going to have family stopping in nonstop. And so I don't know if I'll have time to shoot every course, but also, Matt, the guy who I'm in contact with there, who's kind of helping put on the whole event. He's like, dude, let me know if you want to get out and like jet ski or go fishing or anything while you're here. And I'm like, Jesus, yeah, that like, actually sounds pretty good. He's good so. trying to run. We'll both see. Those. I have no have to take idea. You jet
0: skiing and fishing, too, by the way.
1: Dude, I'd be down. And then he asked me also if I wanted to if I wanted to host oh, or MC like an I award ceremony while I was there. That. So I'm going to do that. I,
0: like that's one of the transitions I'm hoping to make from podcaster to like real world. Is like emceeing events. Like that's when you know you made it when people are asking you to to do your radio voice, but in person, you know, like hopefully you can perform literally in front of people. Cause like when you and I have this podcast, no matter how many people listen to it, it just feels like it's two people.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Once you do it and I used to speak in front of people every week. I mean, I'd speak in front of 80 to 300 people every single week. And so I'm used to that. But I'm like, dude, this is like a bunch of people in the industry. You know, I don't even know what awards I'm giving out yet. And the fact that he even put me in like the lineup with all these people. I mean, there's a list of like eight or ten like hunting celebrities, like proper hunting celebrities that I know. And he's like, yeah, dude, send me a picture. We're going to throw you up on there with all these guys. And I'm like, oh, wow. Like, I don't know if you know who I am or if you just think way more highly of me than you should. But. I would not expect be to be on cool. that. Are you going to do it like Ricky Gervais Gervais style at the AMAs? <laughs> I kind of want to, man. I kind of want to just go in there and just swing for the fences, make it a thing where like, he's like, take I it have to do a to hunting have you spin on it. Like nobody cares.
0: Nobody cares if you shoot a fixed blade. No one cares if you shoot an expandable. Nobody cares. Just shoot your bow, shoot the course, write yep. down your score, send in yep. your card. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly i i, I kind of want to mix it with that and then almost do a roast of some of the Ooh, celebrities mm. that are there and musicians yeah. that are there in a very friendly way obviously but like yeah hey listen if you were born before this time <laughs> you're probably going to know this next person uh or like, you know, too, like bad shoot, you, too bad you don't shoot. too bad you don't run your here bow as good as you and, run that uh, guitar <laughs> <laughs> exactly i'm like dude it'd be fun it'd be fun to just kind of get that in with a lot of people and hopefully you know the award ceremony happens oh yeah after that'd be i've f- actually yeah. connected otherwise with them it'd be in like, person Who the this bit. guy
0: just coming in hot but it, dude it sounds fun it sounds fun it sounds like the also like probably best. the best all-inclusive way to get a gauge at where you are for a western archery hunt is shooting these mountain course events
1: yeah Dude, I have never done a mountain course event like this. I mean, all the 3D range stuff I've done, it's been at like a local park or conservation area or shooting facility where it's like you walk through the woods, there's no crazy angles, there's no real challenge to it. And so to do it on a ski slope like this, like they do it um, like attack events. I would love to have like a course
0: that was like obviously a lot of it's designed to be fun, but for, like, real training, I would be, like, I would love to have a course where it's maybe just shorter, but it's, like, really going to give you a gauge. And it's, like, you walk to the station, and you have, like, and, like, the target's kind of hidden. It's, like, not super in the open, like, when you're on the ski slope and it's just down the slope from you, and you're, like, okay, there's the target. But, like, more, like, in the timber, and you, like, walk to the place, and there's, like, a square on the ground where you're supposed to shoot from and there's like a guy there and like maybe like good hunters probably will figure out where the where the the thing is first but like the whole point is like you get like 10 seconds i'm going to point it to you i'm going to start a timer and you have 10 seconds to knock an arrow range it draw and shoot and then you're done and if you don't shoot in the but time the horn yep. you get zero points whether you punch it punch the 12 ring or not afterwards like it doesn't count for your score cuz that's like what elk hunting is like it's like oh shit there's an elk Sometimes you're ready with the arrow knocked if you know there's like yeah. elk in the area and you're calling them, and so then it's a little bit easier. But sometimes you're like eating lunch, you're like shit, you know. Now you got to knock this arrow, drawback. It's in a, or it's like at this station, you have to start on like from a knee though. Like you have to do this all from a knee.
1: Yeah, dude, it'd be it'd be so sweet to set up a totally realistic course like that where even you could have a speaker. Like, you get up there, you push a button, all of a sudden, someone's like, hey, the wind's shifting, I can kind of feel it on my back, dude, you bu- you better shoot this thing now. You know, like, almost putting you in that mindset, because how many of us have been in that situation, all of a sudden, boom, you feel the wind on the back yeah. of your neck, I have like a, and you're like, over. like, it's over. Have you seen the pulley There's, systems people build for, like, shooting time moving now. targets? Uh,
0: I would love to do, like... An elk. Well, I wouldn't yes, shoot the moving because I never, sh- I don't shoot anything with my bow if it's moving, unless it's like carp or pheasants, if I'm trying to do that. But uh, yeah. have it have an elk on a track that's like 40, 30, 40 yard path or maybe 30, 40 foot path. And there's like a couple places, like maybe it's just naturally this way. Maybe they brushed it. So it's like there's a couple natural windows where you would shoot, but this thing's going to move until you stop it. And, like, yep. so that's, like, a sh- like a nervous grunt for elk hunting. Like, yep. it, the, the ba doesn't work for elk. You have to, like, do something in their voice. And so – and then wherever you stop it, the guy's going to hit the button. So yep. if you time it wrong or, like, maybe he'll, like, let it go another half second because that happens too. Like, you do it and the bull takes a step through your window and then stops behind a tree. So now you got to, like, move over and t- – yeah like that would be super fun just to see how chat like just to throw random stuff at people and see how they perform
1: yeah i feel like it's i mean it's crucial for hunters to understand how much of that happens like i've seen some of these like new mexico guided hunts where they get on 12 or 13 bulls before they actually have a good enough window to shoot one and to do that to do that exact thing like dude you might get to a a spot and they could have one they could have one 3d spot every single uh round where you don't have <laughs> yeah. to shoot at it yeah just to mess with you just to put you you know what you're I like what mean? the heck and i'm like oh, dude it's hunting not shooting. your chance
0: um yeah the last time i wyoming is our exactly. favorite state we really <laughs> got a spot dialed in for our archery t- group i call it team <laughs> our team's uh spot and the last time I was there with the group, it was either 33 or 39. We had whatever it was, let's just say it was 39 because that sounds cooler. Um, we had there was a, there was seven of us hunting. so we were always in group like three different groups. There was there was 39 situation yeah. setups where there was a bull vocal within like 60 to 80 yards. Like that's the line. Sometimes they were close, close. And we got two oh shots.
1: <sighs> that's nuts, yeah. man. I mean, that's just... That's crazy. To think that you're going to have that many encounters... Or, like, you could have that many encounters, and the the percentage that lead yeah. to and shot and the shot opportunities... opportunities my brother
0: got his. Dude. The other guy was, like, a clean miss. So... We only went. We went fifty-fifty on the shot opportunities, but like we we're basically two and a half percent, like, of of our of our encounters came to sh- sh- like sh- a lethal shot, and like five percent of them came to a uh, yeah what would be called like a shot opportunity, like five percent shot opportunity when you're that close to elk, like it was crazy. We had I was calling. I had a buddy that was shooting. And it was it was 20 yards. He's like, I can see the freaking antlers. I could see the antlers the whole time, and it was so thick. I couldn't see anything but the top of his antlers, and he was only 20 yards away. And so I started, like, trying to back up, pull him. I tried to drop off a ledge and move a little bit, and we just couldn't get this elk to go where we wanted to. So then we're like, well, there's elk in the area. Let's set up. And then we're eating lunch, all of a sudden an elk bugles, and my buddy's like, oh, dude, that's close. I'm like, I feel like that was like 200 yards away still. Like, we're going to go, but, like, I don't think I need to draw back yet. And then all of a sudden, these antlers start coming up from below us over this rise, and he's at like 15 yards. No, 15 feet. He's, like, on top of us. And I'm, like, dude, stop, stop, stop. And he's, like, trying to get his stuff together because we're, like, getting ready to go. And I'm trying to draw back. I knock an arrow. I, I like, bump – it bumps off my string. So the arrow falls down. I'm, like, that's unfortunate. (laughs) And I'm, like, I'm trying to get this all to work. And, yeah, it's just so hard to pull it off.
1: Dude, I – that's one thing that I just really have got to finally do. I've got to do it. I keep putting in for different places, man. I am striking out. Dude, this year I struck out on literally every extra draw that I put in for. And even – I don't I don't fully understand this. I mean, well, I do. I put okay. in for a mule deer in a unit in Colorado this year. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden it came up in the secondary draw with multiple mm-hmm. – multiple oh. tags available and i'm like i put in for it so somebody's yeah, account god you know they try to charge it or they opted out of actually buying the tag but it happened like a half a dozen times and so i'm like oh surely i'm gonna get it in the secondary draw so i put in for two different units in the second draw don't get either of them so i mean as far as my <laughs> western hunts go this year i'm hunting elk and that's it i mean like that is it. I may try to do a Wyoming antelope hunt because yep. that's something I've never done is antelope punted. And I know yeah. I can get I over well, the counter. I, I, don't know. For a doe, I don't know if that's going to be available this year. I'm and trying so, to get
0: someone from Wyoming Game and Fish or the Wyoming Winter Range Foundation on the podcast. But Wyoming antelope got hit so hard this last winter with uh, mortality from... Like some units, they were reporting yeah, like 80, die 90% off. die off.
1: Dude, there's a. Yeah. If you look at the map in Northwest Colorado, there's like the whole Northwest corner. They cut the second rifle season down almost really? in half. It went from yeah. nine days to five days. And. It's still over the counter unlimited in most of the units where you can still get a tag, you can go buy one, whether you're a resident or a non resident. But they some places are are stating that a hundred percent of last year's calves yeah. didn't make it. Yeah. Like one hundred. I mean to think of like ninety percent
0: mortality on died. antelope. That's adults. It's, it's like you crazy. know all of the fawns died. You know that none of the does like I would say probably most of those does probably had miscarriages like there's probably no recruitment this year like it's going to take a while. Now that being said, yep. I like animal populations bounce back way faster than habitat quality comes back from from overpressure. So if we have yes. good moisture, we got good grass, we'll probably get good recruitment next year. Um, because the the numbers are lower, there's more food feed to go around, and so I'm hoping it bounces back faster. But I would say for the next couple of years, there's per, there there will be changes coming to Wyoming antelope regulations. I don't know if there's still gonna if it's gonna affect the whole state. Maybe there's still places to get over the counter tags, but that's probably just gonna go faster because yeah. people are probably gonna move units around. Um, so yeah, if you want to do that, I'd be really on the ball of like buying your tag as early as you can.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've got to do that. I've got a lot of different hunts coming up this year that I'm pretty excited about. Uh, so yeah. the intended parents for this surrogacy journey that we're on are yeah. in Florida and he's got a, he's part of a hunt club that's got like nice 3000 or 6000 acres down there. And he's like, dude, there's coyotes, bobcats, hogs, deer, you name it. Um, so I'm going to go down there, but he and I are going to do two hunts in in Georgia oh, nice. this year on Cumberland Island on that conservation deal. And we're gonna do a archery uh hog and deer hunt and then we're also gonna do a rifle hog hunt. So I'm actually gonna be down in that neck of the woods quite a bit this year for hunts. You know, Texas, that's a go. But yeah, as far as my my western big game tags I keep striking out. But I'm hoping oh, fingers yeah. crossed be, to get back out. I'm thinking
0: this an upcoming episode like So I, I wanted to do a deep dive episode on gear just in case people are out there like planning it's summer. Like, what should I get? What should I spend money on? People that are new, like maybe they're doing their first elk hunt this year. That can be overwhelming. Like, do I really need all this? And I could break it down. Like, here's where I would start. I mean, I mean, it was boots and pack is like the two things I would probably spend money on first and then put up (laughs) with the rest until you can, you know, slowly add to it. But I think another good deep dive episode would be like point strategies. Like, yep. across all the states, like, if you're a mule deer hunter, like, this is what I would look at. If you're an antelope hunter, here's how I would do your points. If you're an elk hunter, here's how I would do your points. Like, here's some tips and tricks. Like, like the Arizona two-year point trick where if you you need a hunting license in Arizona to buy points, but their hunting license lasts, like, 375 days if you buy it early. So, you can buy it early the first year. And then it'll still have, you have like 10 days of overlap so you can buy your points the second year without buying a new hunting license. And so that cuts your costs down a little bit. And then nice. in the, the third year, you'll have to buy a license again. But but stuff like that, like just a point strategy, like here's my point strategy, here's what I think about if you want to change it. Like like you said, like I want to shoot a big mule deer. Well, there is hardly any, I don't know if any over the, truly over the counter mule deer hunting except Idaho. Um, and that goes really fast. So yeah, Yeah. you gotta, you gotta have
1: some type of strategy. So I'll do that. Dude, there's, there's so much strategy that goes into it. And even, even just managing like my Mm -hmm. time or like I said, this 25 acres, I was talking to my wife about it and I'm like, all right, how much do I want to spend all of the money? (laughs) You know, like, dude, realistically, (laughs) just an interest just an interest not even going toward the principal just an interest i'm spending like 14 grand a year on this hunting property what what could i get with that i could go on multiple out-of-state hunts i could go on guided hunts i could go to alaska and hunt like if i factor in my whole payment over the course of the year i could pay cash for a moose hunt in Alaska. So that's where I'm like. Well, you also right, got to remember how, how much do I want this property? Fourteen Same grand thing with this all these- year.
0: It it's every year it gets less and less. If you ever pay it off, it's gone. But then, like to do oh, sure. all of the things you said that you could do with it, those are also going to go up in the future, right? And then like the cost of doing the whiteo lands only going to yep. get worse. Like the only way to lock in land inflation is to buy it. And so um, I hear you. Exactly. like you don't want to go bonkers. Yeah. Dude, I think that's the that's... key. Like, you want to balance it out. But then also, like, if you are into the flip game, for sure. like, you buy a hunting property, you, you pay interest on it for two years, which is the bulk of the interest. I mean, you pay the interest up front. You get it back when you sell. Like, if you, like, the amortization yep. schedule, you're, you're ahead on the interest, and then you get the value kind of back oh, yeah. when you sell. But then if you sell for, like, a 20%, 30% gain because you bought the right property and did the right equity into it, Um, to build up that value now you can start like snowballing and down the road get to a point where maybe you have 250 acres and you really haven't contributed any more cash than what the first property would have cost you all this time like in payments right because you're rolling positive equity into each successive deal and so that's how you can kind of like offset some of that because it sucks i'll tell you what i mean we're well over we're well over that for our property i mean it's just 40
1: acres Yeah. Well, yeah. and that's my thing. I'm like, dude, long-term is a great investment. It really is. At in the short term, I'm like, dude, there's a lot of stuff that we could do with this money. Right. And we were just completely debt free. But like now I look at it and I go, okay, we're making our money work for us in different ways, you know, renting out one vehicle, mm-hmm. which basically makes the payment on one of our new vehicles. And so bouncing all of that around. And then also, I mean, this all ties into yeah. trying to get out and hunt out West, try to hunt out, east, try to hunt different places. It's like what frees up my money to be able to do this well, you, while at the same time. You also probably
0: are unique down the road um, because money, money is the limiter for you, not time. It, which sounds funny cause you guys are very successful, but like you have such a flexible schedule yeah. that you could go on six Western hunts a fall. Cause you have that time for it. Whereas most people are like, well, money ain't the yeah. issue for hunting out West. It's time. I can only do one or two hunts a year anyway. And I budget that and it's fine. You know, and so a lot of people probably aren't re- reaching some of these different yep. pressure points that you're reaching just because you have such a flexible schedule. It's like, I want to do it all. And now what's that cost? Now this land interest is actually impacting how much I can go out West.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, like it's not going to limit, it's not going to take away a different hunt for me, but I, I just think about if this is only a hunting property, right? It's 25 acres. It's right next to 350 acres that I can already hunt. So it's not really adding anything. Sure. I get different bucks on camera, but as a whole, I can go right there and hunt for that same amount of money. I could lease a Mm -hmm. couple hundred acres in central Missouri you know, it's not going to be as close to home, but like I could effectively double my hunting acreage. Did you, I just wouldn't own it at that point. Or I could buy way more land. Like I could have bought 80 acres way farther out. Did you, um, listen to the the Josh
0: Bolmar podcast with the hunter? Uh, what's his, what are their names? Jared and Jeremy. I think, I think well, I caught some of that. Hours. I didn't. I didn't finish <laughs> like, the. Whole thing. Who does a five-hour podcast? Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I, I have mixed feelings on Josh Bolmarz. Can... Anyway, um, it was a good. It was good podcast. But he talked about like I like to buy properties in his words, low-income areas, um, which he's talking like brown. It's down like places yeah. that aren't known for QDMA. So like like Buffalo County, Wisconsin is the opposite. And then he, that's because he can have the best property in that zone. Like, he yeah. can't have the best pro- – what he's saying is I can't have the best property if I'm neighbors with the Drury's and the Lukowskis. They're going to beat me. And then th- now we're all fighting for the same big buck. If I go somewhere yeah, exactly. where no one cares and they just hunt, hunt how they want to hunt, shoot what they want to shoot, I can have the best property. And then eventually the, the most dominant bucks are going to, like, take over my farm as they're bedding and push other deer out. And I was like, that's a great strategy, but also, like – Places like that usually have lower property values, so you can get in easier. And then you do that work, and now you can sell it and market it as a trophy hunting property with like all kinds of trail camera pictures of giant bucks and sell it for like an above market rate for that area. Yep. And like treat it basically as an investment, like flipping hunting property, but like sp- specifically targeting areas like that, not Southeast Iowa, Western Wisconsin.
1: No, could you imagine like that business and then that also as a hobby? Like you go and you improve a property, you get the bucks pulled into it to where you're proving on trail camera and with filling tags. Check this property out. It's amazing. Like in two years, this is what I've drawn to this property. This is the change that I've made. I shot a target buck on the second year. Also, now I'm going to sell it for an insane profit. And then you do it again. And again, and again, and again. Josh said he has shot six 200s since, I think,
0: 2019. And they've all, he's killed them all on property that he now owns. He, I think he said one of them, he leased it when he shot the 200, but now he bought that property. Um, And he said, like, people, like, give me a hard time. Like, I, <laughs> I released, like, pen-raised bucks, but you can tell that's not true because, like, the genetics of that deer, like, you can tell it was born on this farm. And then he said... People will then accuse me of like releasing yeah. does with you know bread does, and I'm like I haven't owned this farm long enough for that buck to be born and grow into a 200, so that doesn't make sense, um, which is just kind of funny. But yeah. the the point I was driving towards is like, what do you think if you spent, let's say, three thousand dollars an acre for a hunting property, because that's probably a lower value area, three thousand bucks an acre let's just say you spend $3,000 an acre doesn't matter necessarily how big it is. It's big enough, right? Whether it's a 40 or a 200, it's big enough and it's $3,000 an acre and you shoot like one or two good bucks on it, but there's a living 200 plus on camera on that property when you go to sell it, what do you think that does for the property value? Like, do you think you just find a a whale? That's like, I want to shoot a 200 I'll pay you six grand an acre I don't care. I'm going to buy that property just to kill that buck. I
1: don't, you can have it back when I'm done. Like
0: that kind of person.
1: Dude, 100%, man. 100%. That, that has been proven by some of these bucks that people get on camera. There's one, if you look back, I mean, this was probably 15 years ago, maybe more. And it was in Buffalo County, Wisconsin. And I think oh really? his last name was Kirkpatrick. Okay. This guy got a, a video a guy got a video from 400 plus yards away of this buck. And the title was new walking world record question mark. And he posted that video and he had people, I can't remember what he was charging. I think it was like 15 grand a stand to come in (laughs) and hunt this buck. And his neighbor ended up killing it for real dude. I mean, his woods were loaded with these people because they're like, this legitimately could yeah. be the new world record typical deer. I mean, when it would turn its head and like its tines from each side would offset, it was basically just a foot and a you half see, like, block of nothing the leaves but antler rustling from the air. I mean, it would around this deer's was, head.
0: I don't know if I could sell the property. Oh my or god, the dude. like that's the problem It's I mean, like, yeah, you probably could sell that situation for a lot of money, whether you're selling hunts or selling like outfitting it or just selling the property the problem is like would you sell the property though if you have a living 200 yeah. on it you'd have to be so dedicated to the investment game and you should just have to be so confident Dude, that I, you're like yes I, i'm gonna sell this 40 with a 200 on it because by doing that i can buy three more 40s i can make a ton of money i know i can get another 200 on another property maybe i've already shot a couple i don't know it'd be so tough yeah
1: Dude, the thing is, I mean, at the end of the day, oh, yeah. a 200 inch deer is a world class deer, right? There are so many counties in the U.S. that could very easily host 200. It would be,
0: deer. it would be interesting to. I bet you can make money just selling that's what, a county map that has like red green highlights of the counties where a 200 has been confirmed killed in, and I mean. And then you can make guesses like, "Hey, there hasn't yeah. been one in this block, but all the way around it, there's been one." And so, like, or there could be.
1: There's a 200. Like, in there maybe not somewhere. this
0: year, but there's yeah, they 200 potential.
1: You know, like, yeah. But it's like, dude, I look at it, and my mom, on on the property that she hunts every year with her rifle, I don't remember how many. It, it was very in very close proximity to her stand. They got pictures of what they thought were
0: on, was on a the property or off
1: record property. Typical. They got okay. Uh, it was on the neighbor's That's property, nice. but just over the hill from where she hunts. So they got they got pictures, a daytime and a nighttime picture. It's just only time this buck has ever been seen. Nobody's ever seen it. No trail camera pictures other than these two. Um, no deadheads found. Not even a shed found. This is probably the a, only evidence probably this deer a, ever existed. It's probably a high-fence deer with a GPS, the and the on owner,
0: like, realized he got out it's, and went and tracked him down and tranked him and brought him back and just, like, did it in the middle of the night. So, no, he's like, almost lost that one.
1: <laughs> Dude, that, I mean, like, the, these deer yeah. exist out there, and even here, man. I mean, I'm sitting in my stand a couple years ago, and I look out, and, you know, I'm throwing my guess best guess at it but i saw a buck it was a morning that i was sitting there with my bow i see these two deer running through the woods and i see one or through the field and i see one and it is a monster wreck i'm talking like biggest buck i've ever seen while hunting in person and i see a deer in front i think it's a small doe like i think it's a like a yearling doe that this buck is just chasing They're running through. I pull my binos up. I get a good look at this rack, and my best guess is mid-180s. In this area, dude, nobody sees bucks like that. Nobody sees bucks like that. And I'm thinking, dude, this guy's right here. He's in my field, way out of range, obviously. And then they go into this little thing of, like, fog. You know, the dew's coming up in the morning, super foggy. And all of a sudden I see a deer coming down the fence line. And I know it's not him. I can see with my naked eye that it's not him. So I pull my binos up and I'm looking at it and I scan behind looking for this big buck and he's just gone. And I'm like, no, you gotta be kidding me. Well, turns out that this thing that I thought was a small doe in front of him was actually a two and a half year old buck (laughs) and just the sheer size of this other buck. It's so big. Yeah. Like it just offset it that much. That's crazy. And I mean, this other buck was outside of his ears. Like he wasn't, he wasn't a small deer. He was outside his ears and never saw that buck again. Never had a single trail camera picture of that buck come to find out the, there is a person that lives mm-hmm. on the next blo- like country block who has pictures of this buck. And he's just a freak. I, I still have yet to see the trail camera pictures, but a buddy of mine said he talked to him and he's like, dude, there is a, monster buck out here mainframe 12 every point or every time is huge with trash that's crazy. coming off of everything and yeah I'm they like, are out exactly there i mean I
0: there was guys that shot a 239 so, non-typical just two miles from our family farm yeah just a huge junky looking 239 gross not net I, nets are for fish in my book but yeah yeah they're out there that's what i'm wondering maybe that'll be my new yeah. goal is to go find like the cheapest land you can find in a like obviously it's got to have deer hunting like you like that part of Kansas we drove through on the way out to Colorado I'm sure you could find a forty pretty cheap out there but you're not going to you're not going to attract a 200 inch deer so figure out something like where that's like a pretty good yeah balance point and then buy it and do a little project and see like what's the biggest deer you can get in 5 years and is that deer big enough to artificially inflate well not artificially it's pretty official but official like in raise the value of the property in someone's book like there's gonna be people out there like no i'm not paying you any extra for that i don't deer hunt but then there's gonna be someone's like i want to shoot a 200 or i want to shoot a boon and so i'll pay extra because you have a living boon on your property
1: dude you gotta think i mean when i look at when i look at properties online if it has a picture of deer and Turkey on it, which I'm not even a huge fan of turkeys, but yeah. I know that if the Turkey are hanging out, there's going to be deer hanging out. And if I see that on like the listing, yeah. it immediately throws my interest through the roof. I'm like, okay, if that's what right. they got on camera, what are they not getting on camera? Also, these people obviously care enough about hunting to have trail cameras out there. And these big deer are on camera or, you know, and so I think about that and I go, okay, so Sam, buying 40 acres would I spend an extra 10 grand on it just oh, because I see pictures of actual yeah, deer sure, from grand. like with the date yeah. this year I mean but that's like dude what if we're asking 10, no, not 10 grand, grand over, per acre at, like but market yeah, value 20, that's you know, 250 bucks an acre over for 40 so yeah I would no, for not sure
0: for pay an extra 250 an acre to know that there's good habitat
1: yeah and so it's like just, just looking at that that's just for pictures of active deer on the property yeah now you throw in that there's a booner or a 200 incher you better believe there's people will i uh, went to a couple
0: shows back in the day uh, for bowhunting.com and i got to meet some of our local whitetail properties agents and now i know i'm pretty good and i was talking to them they invited me out to their team dinner at one time at the thing so i was i was talking to them and they said i don't think this is a secret i think they want you to do this they said we, our data shows that if you have trail camera pictures on your listing, you will get 10 times as many clicks on your property.
1: I I don't doubt that at all. In fact, I told my buddy, he doesn't specialize in hunting properties. In fact, he's sold very few of them. Yeah. But I've been sharing my pictures with him because he's a hunter. And he said, listen, if what you kind do hunter end up keep all property, his big keep buck every pictures. picture you big get on that trail camera. I have pictures going
0: back a decade. <laughs>
1: well i mean he's saying with the intent of sharing them in a listing and i'm like of course dude like if i'm gonna sell a property i want it to go to a hunter one i also kind of want to put a clause in there that like hey i I have a cousin that did that
0: he sold a piece and he had 20 year
1: but anyway part of the deal
0: yeah that's what happened i'm kind of hoping
1: that i sell it to a farmer like one of the neighbors and just say listen I'm gonna yeah. sell this to you, but I still get to hunt on it. So, and you have to leave like four four rows <laughs> of corn up all around the woodlot. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> throw something like that in there. But, dude, I think about the same thing for going out west. You know, looking at Western Nebraska, Western Kansas, Eastern Colorado, Eastern Wyoming, the spots where you drive through, and a lot of people are like, "Dude, this is the worst drive ever." There's gotta be little pockets of water or little river systems that flow through where there's property, but it's so far from civilization oh, that the yeah. price of the property is really low. And you could have. Well, your I think own you. I think you could.
0: Heaven, I mean, you definitely could like, buy a no lot of land out. cheaper. Like there's places in Wyoming and like, in, I don't know about Colorado, but Wyoming for sure. where I've seen land as little as three, four hundred dollars an acre in big tracks because it's just worthless quote yeah. unquote for for production like it's those prices are based off the production value for like beef and i don't it's like i don't care i don't want to produce on it i want to recreate on this yeah and so yeah if you bought 400 acres in western kansas in the middle of nowhere yep you could turn into a place where you're shooting big bucks i just don't think western kansas you're probably going to have that good of luck growing like an actual 200 just because of the nutritional quality of the ground right but you could still grow booners i'm sure um, you, you could put in water, you could, I suppose you could do, if they allow well, it, dude, if that state allows it, you could do supplemental feed to increase protein values, you could just plant food plots that, that offset the deficiencies of the soil, and maybe you could grow some 200s out there.
1: Dude, I think, I think... Some of these spots are so underrated, and I would have never guessed it had I not known people. Yeah, and seen like Oklahoma, the, the number the of
0: giant bucks in Oklahoma.
1: Actually, like trophy pictures. Dude, it, in North, Northeast Colorado, a spot that I would never be like, dude, there's monster whitetails there. I'm talking actual pictures wow. of 200 <laughs> plus inch whitetails That's a- confirmed because he killed it. Two hundred plus yeah. inch mule deer. Uh They've recently started getting more elk on the property. I yeah, mean, you're I'm talking. This is hours away from the mountains. Yeah, And there is nothing but plains oh, yeah. all the way around them. But they're on a river system, and the amount of big big animals will blow your mind. And it's every year. I'll get picked. They'll be like, "Oh, dude, check this deer out. Check this deer out. Check this deer out. This one is, you know." We're not gonna shoot this one we're not interested in him at all and I'm like dude those are yeah. bucks that I would never pass up here in Missouri those are bucks I'd never pass up in Wisconsin and you're passing them up the middle in a spot of grain that's country South Dakota
0: at all where I shed hunt it's like it's there's it's desolate and a dude picked up a shed I scored it it was 88 and a half yeah. inches just one shed. <laughs> He's like, Do you think it breaks 70? And I'm like, dude, you have no idea what you're talking about. You're supposed he was a he was a guy that runs gun dog shed <laughs> or shed dog trials. Like he has professional or not sorry, master quality like master titled shed dogs. Um and he's like, Yeah, do you think it breaks seventy five? I'm like, dude, that yeah. thing's over eighty five. And he's like, No. And I'm like, I will score for you right now. <laughs> yeah, and so that's Millinore. I mean, pretty oh much my god. That's pretty much getting close to gross 288 and a half you double it that's 175 without a without an inside spread
1: yeah dude that's that's unbelievable man i mean i feel like i feel like all of these overlooked properties you you really could you could turn them into something great they could be something great already and nobody knows about it but I yeah. am very interested in finding larger tracts of land in some of these, like you said, low income just add areas states where you can pick just it start up. Start adding super states. Just Because yeah. think about it, dude. Think about it. Us and a couple friends, like we had a group of four guys that start buying these tracts of land, and now we've got five different states that we own land in, and it's a lot of land. And you have to do it. You should pick it. I mean, it. it's just more well, it goes
0: both it, it's kind of a double edged sword. Obviously, if you picked your five closest buddies from Springfield, that would be nice in a way. But also, it would be nice if your team of five, there was one person in each of the five states that you bought land in. So it's like we buy a big parcel two hours away from your house in sure. Missouri. And, like, you're responsible for getting that property set up to, like, how we all agree. Like, obviously, one guy might want to do, like, $100,000 yep. $100, worth of work. And we're like, okay, well, that's kind of on you then because I'm not going to do hundred grand on mine and or what you know whatever like yeah. you all have to be on the same page to some degree but that way like everyone's taking care of the local property so they don't have to drive to all five of these states to uh to do the food plots and the maintenance and then when it come fall you guys just hit the rotation like yeah this property always pops off early season this one's a great rut state this one's a great you know late season this one's just set up better for more food so we're going to come in and muzzle loader season and just you know Throw some black powder in the sky, it'd be perfect,
1: dude. And in those areas, you know, it when, when you find the spots that are so far out there, you could yeah. totally get in with the neighbors. Hey, I just bought this track next to you, just curious, you know, do you or find, I'll be out like here this whole week if you need grandma a grandma and
0: grandpa's anything? farmstead also, that they're moving want- to town or for you know, as bad as it says, don't need anymore. And you just offer to buy the old house, and because they Probably built it themselves, yep. so there's like it's probably it undervalued by off market undervalue and now you have a hunting cabin in that area. Yep. So much opportunity, man. really is. You
1: got my wheels turning, man. We kind of took a I'm dive to
0: off of the western topic, I'm but I'm that's to what happens. <laughs> dude,
1: shack. dude, well, dude, I mean, this all ties into our conversations yeah. that we've been having all week, like a fish shack. Find us fish back up somewhere in the middle of nowhere. Dude, Kodiak Island, I'm telling you, there are spots in Kodiak Island that you could own property that's so remote, you could go and fish for salmon and deep-sea fish, you could shoot blacktail, you'd have grizzly encounters. I just had a,
0: yeah, so so technically there's nothing inherently hunting in the Western rookie title, and Alaska is farther west than the, the Missouri River, the Mississippi River, where we put the boundary, so... Technically, we could talk Alaska fishing, um, yeah. because I had a the reason I was thinking about because I had a guest from Alaska that does his own outfitting and 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 chartering, and I'm like, dude, if I bought a cabin or like first year I would just come up and rent yeah. a place, but if I bought a cabin as a non-resident, do you think I could actually come up for like a week fishing trip, and catch? enough fish to like package and ship home and like have like a year or a half year supply of fish and like act like if I'm going to do it, I'm going to go all in. Is it going to be worth it? Or like the regulations for non-residents just too restrictive. Like you can keep two salmon. It's like, well, probably not worth buying a cabin to get two salmon a year. But he's like, no, dude, like there's no possession limits that I know of here. So it's like your daily limit. But once you clean and package it, that's food. And that doesn't count anymore. And so he's like, yeah, you can do shrimp pots, prawn, like those are almost unlimited. You can do crab, you could get rockfish, you could do, he's like, we went halibut fishing and it's two a day for residents. First day we caught like a bunch of 30 and 50 pound fish, everyone limited out. So we went back the second day. Back to back, my first two fish were 70 pounds and 100 pounds. The 100 pounder was the first one. So I'm like, I'm good on halibut for the year now.
1: I have like 300 pounds of halibut. Oh my gosh dude that's the type of stuff man where it's like you can build your wealth (laughs) through hunting and fishing properties and opportunities because i do i see people who do that stuff even being down in florida man the life that they live they go out and you can catch 30 different species in a morning yeah and in alaska dude there's spots if you want to get that feel there's spots that I could tell you about and bush pilots that I could direct you to where you can go and rent a cabin that will sleep like four to six yeah, people oof, that'd be for great. like 39 bucks a night in the middle. And I mean, I'm talking, he will drop you off on the front dock in the float plane. You'll have to dodge grizzlies on your way in. You can black deer hunt and i think certain depending on the season you can get up to 3 blacktail bucks uh, you can you can fish for salmon right there you could get dollies you could get i mean just insane opportunities and that's that's my kind of thing i'm like i could have 30 years of these opportunities or own one chunk of hunting property I could own one chunk of hunting property or have 15 different hunting properties in less known areas farther away. It's going to be travel. I get that. It's going to take a lot of work to get to that. I think them the, to the, I the want only them to issue, I think like,
0: the problem is the buy and hold on the hunting property strategy. As long as you don't buy and hold, I think that can help you get to those other ones. Yeah, that's the problem. People buy it, they fall in love, and then they never sell sure. it. And so then that kind of that kind of closes off the future expansion. But if you're like, no, I like, because I'm in a great spot for this. I have my house now with that 40, like I'm not going to sell that. And I have the family farms. We're never going to sell those. So I always have those emotional properties for me, the, the yep. sentimental properties. So now I can be like, I'm going to buy this 40 and I'm going to grow some deer and I'm going to sell it. Like this is the plan. I'm not going to get attached like going into it. I know I'm going to sell it. So I'm just going to keep myself from getting attached. Yeah. Maybe if there's like a a big, like maybe that there is a 200, I'm like, okay, I'm going to wait a year to sell. I'm going to try to shoot this 200 first, but I'm going to sell this property. Yeah.
1: You don't have to get attached Unless someone pays me like three times the the rate to
0: buy it with the 200 living on it. Then I'll just buy the neighbor property for market value and,
1: and shoot the 200 and sell the property. I mean, Look at it this way. Look at how many people will pay to do tens a high fence. and tens of thousands of dollars to go down, or you know, yeah, that's a little bit live. higher they guarantee, but high there's also no equity HD. available
0: for that. Like exactly. at least when you buy the property to shoot the deer, you have the equity. Like you, you got to make the bank work and stuff. Like you, you're probably going to be, you know, exactly. underwater if you if you put a mortgage on it. But if you bought it with cash, you can do whatever you want.
1: Yeah. But it's like, dude, I, I'd be Property. curious, what's the going rate for oh, a 200-inch That's thousands, tens of thousands, I'm area. sure. Yeah. I would imagine. I would think that, you know, you're probably entering in at yeah. fifteen grand for a booner, and then every inch goes the up from there, is you have to 10 inches goes up from there. The high fence so it's hunt, like...
0: well, it is almost a guarantee. Like, if you're like, I want to shoot a 200, you're like, all right, there's a 200 in that pen. Um, that's almost a guarantee, but it's also, there's no demand. The supply demand curve is like artificial because they can grow as many two hundreds as they really need. And so a wild 200, their supply is virtually zero for the average guy. So now the demand can go way up because every, no one wants to be like, Oh, I shot this 200 in a fence. They want to be like, I shot this 200 on my own land with, with a bow. Like this is a wild deer. So, you would probably get yep. more than the 15 grand yep. extra for a high fence hunt. Yeah.
1: That's what I'm saying. It's like the value there is exponential in comparison. And it's like you already have people who are willing to pay yeah. that much to do it, where there's not necessarily a challenge, where everybody, like 10,000 people, could go and hunt deer in high fence ranches. In multiple, my, my business strategy every could be like year and shoot a booner
0: buying properties, growing 200s, we'll and then selling property. them to you like Josh that? Beaumont. <laughs> like, that's my That's my whole business plan is I'm going to buy a property, build a 200, and sell it to Josh.
1: <laughs> you, you only have one, so, but yeah, that's funny. Yeah, dude, there's, I mean, there's a lot of strategy for that kind of stuff. And I'm just, I'm ready for season, man. I'm so ready. I'm just shy of two months out here. And I'm, I'm doing a guys' night tonight. We're all bringing our bows and some targets. I can do break them out because 200 I'm yard in the same boat. shooting Man, now I'm with my bow. Very rusty. Once we move
0: in, I won't shoot 200. I shoot 100 a lot, um, Dang. and I can do That's that in sweet. my yard. So, yeah, I'm excited.
1: Dude, talk to your buddy Josh. Get a big oh, Sasquatch decoy and put it at 100 yards. <laughs> no, I'm worried you'll burn my truck every down time. when
0: he comes out to the farm. So.
1: Dude, I oh man, I you want have a to talk great to the Reinhardt, which will probably so be bad. at Bowfest. Yeah, yeah, I need to, I need to make some more connections, man, because I want to start sending arrows long range on. Oh yeah, that'd be so On much fun. animal That'll targets instead blast. of just blocks.
0: Awesome. Well, we're coming up on over an hour, coming up on an hour and a half, so I'll probably have to cut this one off. But I also have to keep getting stuff moved, and we're going to Canada fishing tomorrow, so.
1: No. Oh. Have fun with that. I'm gonna go do some uh, property work, change out some batteries. You know, it would be really funny. And uh, if your camera my
0: like died, and the last picture what? it recorded was like the first shot of a multi-shot sequence, and it was like the nose and the tips that are like already out to the nose, and then your camera dies, <laughs>
1: dude. I'm about to send you some of these bucks, but I've had a couple bucks. I had one the other night. I couldn't see ears or any fur whatsoever. All I could see was I guess its entire left side sticking into the frame. <laughs> and I'm like, this is a giant. I, I see no, when you can get no like, other features. Because when they're in velvet, you can antler. tell like how big and the I'm hair
0: like, is, and then like gauge how like much mass is there. Yeah. With their it's honestly harder when they're out of velvet because yep. you don't know how close they are to so. the camera. So it's like is this a heavy antler that's just the tip and, like, a short G4? Or is this the whole antler and that's just a really crappy G2?
1: Yeah. Dude, that's – I mean, that's the same with shred hunting. I've seen that where it's like, <laughs> the dude, cameraman this Chris's is bird. antler. I can't like... tell. I mean, Chris – Chris It's like, dude, this could be I've never a monster an or small. a dink, and it turned out to so, be a dink, so, so. – not I haven't either. I didn't know they. Ex- I thought they just naturally I've like, seen spikes deer, that had bigger, bigger than, than that. Elk. This deer or this elk,
0: unless that was like a freak genetic deer. Almost everyone or elk, where yeah. like either like that was his spike year, and instead of growing a spike, he grew a small four-point side, or an incredibly bad genetic elk, where that was like that was his raghorn year. Oh, an antler. What if cow? it was a?
1: What if it was a that cow? It could have been a cow. That just Definitely had some weird that's, deals. that's an interesting an thing.
0: You should try to convince him uh, it was, is an antler. It was
1: antlered the cow. smallest antler I've ever seen on it.
0: just like psychologically.
1: Let's do it. I'll be like, hey dude, you mind if I scrape? Can I just scrape Test a little bit chin. off the pedicle? And I'm going to, no, I wouldn't anything. even go that far. I'm going to take I would just it be like, oh no, testing. yeah. Chris found you an antler cow back shed back and he's like, I did. And he's like, oh yeah, that
0: one you found was an antlered cow. He's not a shed hunter, so he'd probably believe us.
1: Yeah. He probably would. Let's do it. Next time, next time you talk to him, just be like, "Dude, I can't." Yeah. Believe, like, remember that time you found that antlered cow? And then we'll my luck is he like, finally started listening to that the podcast. Now he's it already came, onto us. And I. <laughs> yeah, let's hope not. All right. We're, gonna, we're yeah. gonna. get him. Nice talking to you. Have fun awesome, up at GoFest. Well, thanks for having me. And
0: uh, we'll have to catch up the next time you're up in this neck of the woods. Awesome. Well, thanks for listening, folks. Sound good?